Well, hello, my lovelies. Whether you're joining me on live on Twitch, the archive on YouTube, or the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Oh, it's a class warfare report. Oh, yeah. Broadcast 07142020. You know what it do to poor dumb rebel, Andrew, myself, broadcasting outward into a screaming abyss. Uh, most people assume that's, you know, the abyss is nothing, but uh, we know better than that at this point. Uh, I want to thank anybody joining me here. I uh, brought specific content to get into. Uh, I hope to get into two things on the podcast specifically, and then I might have to continue on the intellectual dark web, which I started yesterday. It's a, a, a video that I started with yesterday's broadcast, and I may have to continue that on uh, just Twitch and YouTube because my streaming platform, or Anchor, no, not Anchor, but my conversion for audio only allows a certain amount of gigs, so I got to work with what I got. So the the podcasts are always going to be shorter if I happen to go on longer, um, but this may or may not turn out that way just because I wanted to read an article, watch an interview, and then see uh, more about that intellectual dark web because I, I was getting a, a bit interested in hearing all of their ideas and how wrong they were. Um, you know, kind of breaking them apart like old watches or old radios. So thank you for joining me on the Poor Dumb Rebel Radio. Um, I know uh, it's probably still a working class observation, but it will always be a working class observation. But I know that uh, Poor Dumb Rebellion Radio uh, is the main outlet for me. But uh, let's get into this Bloomberg article that I saw. It was trending, I believe, on Twitter. Uh, didn't get to read the full thing, but I am very interested in the subject of power and where it resides and then also class warfare because I acknowledge that it exists and I hope that you do too. But I definitely want to stay on top of historic market vol validity? volatility. Oh. Yeah, they want me to subscribe, but, um, yeah, wow, try three months for not for $105, but just for six bucks, cancel any time, that's insane, 105 bucks for three months normally, Whew. Uh, at some point I'm not going to be able to read articles, um, it's all going to be behind paywalls, because, uh, all the advertisements, I mean, there's not even really that many advertisements on this article itself, so, um, all right, let's get into it. Blur Bloomberg Business Week. It's by Max Abelson. I apologize if I pronounced it wrong. Maybe it's Abelson, maybe, but I'll just say Abelson. Um, COVID conversations with one of America's richest men. How a pandemic unfolds when you're a Wall Street billionaire. So this is a quite possibly, and I only read, I think, the first paragraph but this is maybe uh an introduction into how a, a billionaire thought at the same time that i was going through this different emotions or maybe similar emotions who knows is this a humanizing story is it a bastardization of billionaires i'm not sure yet uh, i do assume since it's coming from bloomberg business week that it probably doesn't slander billionaires that hard especially since a billionaire is named on the uh the, the 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 
the, the news uh, website. So I am just going to assume that they didn't want to do wrong by Mr. Bloomberg uh, by bashing billionaires too much. I don't really see uh, non-capitalists probably working on Bloomberg, um, but who knows? Maybe Bloomberg allows different ideologies. I doubt it, but let's get it. Uh, Max Abelson writes, on the day the coronavirus was declared a pandemic, I called the richest person I know. The world was spiraling into chaos with 118,319 confirmed cases and 4,292 deaths in at least 100 countries, and I thought someone so well-connected might know what was going on. Quote, what the fuck? I'm not worried. Unquote, he said. Quote, I'm sure I already have it. What do I care? Unquote. His family was heading to their country house outside of New York City, but he was staying put, working the phones for his job, investing billions of dollars for clients. He didn't know much about the unfolding catastrophe, which made him just like everyone else. The next day, March 12th, the stock market collapsed, ending an 11-year bull market. The S&P 500's 9.5% plummet was the biggest since Black Monday in 1987. I called the investor back, quote, it's not this panic. Oh my God, the world is going to end. Everyone knows it's over in two months. His dismissive, unquote, his dismissiveness was eerie, quote, you know the world is fine, unquote. In the previous 24 hours, the World Health Organization had reported almost 7,000 more cases globally and the death count had grown by more than 300. Northern Italian hospital hallways were filling with beds. Tom Hanks fell sick in Australia. March Madness was canceled. Broadway shut down. President Trump congratulated himself on what a great job he was doing and said it would all go away. I want to tell you a bit about the guy I called up, my billionaire. That's his billionaire. That's Mike's billionaire. The article continues, There's no way to understand American power without understanding people like him. He's part of a generation of executives who've made fortunes from the proliferation of private equity, hedge funds, and other forms of financial engineering over the past few decades. Yes. As Wall Street became more and more central to the U.S. economy. Yes. Wealth on his scale sometimes flattens a personality, but he usually comes off as open and light-hearted with a confidence that can be infectious rather than off-putting <laughs> this is a friend uh members of his class are supposed to be brilliant at analyzing and managing risk so i was surprised to find that he seemed unbothered by what looked to the non-billionaires around me like a uniquely dangerous threat i have to just say real quick here that um that members of his class uh, supposedly being brilliant at analyzing and managing risks, were unable to predict the outcome of a pandemic. Uh, hedge fund investors n not being epidemiologists or virologists? Uh, what a surprise. Um, okay, but I'm going to continue here. I asked him how his circle was talking about the virus. Quote, Some people are going to die, but it's old people, and if they do, it's okay. He replied. He then paused. No, that's not okay. This isn't that bad. Unquote. Um, yeah, I want to just say hi, hello here. Um, 
Yeah, he's cool with old people dying. So that's weird that he's so open-minded and light-hearted that he was cool with old people dying. And then said that that statement wasn't okay because the situation isn't that bad. Um, but that's very vague language. I don't really necessarily know what to think. I kind of want to blame the guy for the horrible... Like, Mike, why would you quote him like this? Like, incomplete sentences and thought, bro. Um, but the article continues... He seems to know how cold and disconnected that sounded. Ah, some billionaires take pleasure in playing up nasty reputations, but this one considers himself to be thoughtful, generous, lucky, and friendly to his workers. Still, he didn't walk his words all the way back. This is the article, um, and I just want to speak my own truth here. Um, some billionaires take pleasure in playing up nasty reputations. Right, some do, but... Him considering himself to be thoughtful, generous, lucky, and friendly. Like, that's also... Both of these are attributes that are just, uh, you know, easily labeled on anybody of any class, really. Um, Although poor people tend to be less generous in a lot of situations because they might be super poor. But, uh, you know, they still find ways to be uber generous if, you know, the opportunity is to come. It just depends on the person. So we're we are, I guess, in this article, getting the caricature or the silhouette of the type of billionaire that this is, which you know, this is still a very uh, third account. Like, is it's as if you all you have is this guy def- describing what his friend is like. So um, yeah, it's like, hey, we we should hang out with my friend. Uh, I don't know, Bill Gates. You know, he'll, he he's really cool he he he's he thinks of himself like really generous man like i know you've heard of billionaires before like being these cruel profiteering exploitative sobs man but my boy gates bro like he is so so considerate and thoughtful you know and you could believe people easily on 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 the on that premise especially depending on how much you actually trust that friend in this situation describing that to you but um you know it's 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 so much better to get to know somebody at first account and not by second or third um but let's get it the article continues it felt somewhat perverse to be soliciting the thoughts of someone so privileged and well protected at a time of such intense vulnerability why should Americans hear from a rich white man right now? Without question, the stories of the people who were suffering and those who were on the front lines aiding them needed to be told urgently. At the same time, there were already signs that the unequal system Wall Street thrives thrives on would exacerbate the crisis, while lower-income communities were disproportionately harmed by both the virus and its economic effects. That's fascinating that this article just took like a slight left turn. Just you know, yeah, Wall Street kind of exploits. You know, bad situations. They, they're opportunists, you know. Swerve left a little bit. Just... Interesting. Um, the article continues. There was speculation as New York City declared a state of emergency and Congress negotiated sweeping relief packages that the pandemic could become a great equalizer. <laughs> a cataclysm that would lead to change that leveled an unlevel <laughs> field. Who? <laughs> Who thought that? Um... Man, and like, and, uh, like honestly, with the stimulus package and like 
every American getting $1,200 and then like businesses and uh, yeah, large corporations getting somewhere between hundreds of thousands to millions. It's just like, but I, uh, there's, it's just, it's so much to it, but there was a very heavy redistribution of wealth. And it's still been happening with the amount of taxes that they don't have to pay. Like, we fund the shit out of corporations, and they fund less and less to the government. So, um, yep, they don't they don't want to put their funds in it, you know? The corporations essentially kind of, to an extent, believe in defund the police. Um, no, no, all no, right, all right, all right. Fun's over. Back to the article. Or it could prove to be just another opportunity for the country's most powerful capitalists to make money and perhaps to tilt the field further. Yeah, that's the only that's the only outcome everybody saw. If anyone could help me gauge this dynamic, I thought it would be my billionaire. <laughs> I asked him if I could keep calling. He said yes, and that he'd tell me what was really on his mind as long as he remained anonymous. After considering what might be coming in the U.S., I agreed. I wanted to know how people like him would experience this calamity, and I couldn't turn away. All right. Uh, before we really get into the meat of here, because that that was essentially an introduction, um, I like we're basically just looking at an archetype of a certain kind of billionaire. We're not going to get the overall scope of how the billionaire class really faces their situation. But we can be rest assured, since they are billionaires, they have it very comfy. It's a v Having billions of dollars is a very comfy couch to land on um, when it comes to medical bills and getting tests and staying safe. And also, you know, the types of work that billionaires tend to do maybe doesn't have to deal with so much essential work, right? Being out on the front lines. Um yeah, so we're not going to get, like, a sweeping scope of the billionaire point of view. We're just going to get one person's opinion who then is effectively, because of anonymity, is going to shape a billionaire's thought process. I did air quotes if you're not watching this in video form and you're listening, but we are going to look at a caricature. We are going to... Is it a straw man? I don't know. It's an anonymous person willing to opinionate their views, but what we're focusing in here on, and this is the reason why the article was here, is to get the thoughts of a billionaire, to get inside of the head of a billionaire during this specific crisis. But it won't be every billionaire's. <laughs> Especially someone who is actually uh, very active in, like, say, uh, the pharmaceutical industry or the healthcare industry or the insurance industry so um let's continue on we spoke again the next week on march 16th the days in between had been ugly oops i read that those two sentences terrible but let's continue on case numbers in new york city were starting to boom and officials sent home more than a million students the u.s declared a national emergency and covid19 tests were in short supply wall street was in the midst of its worst week since the global financial crisis worldwide there were 167,515 reported cases and 6,606 deaths the investor told me the economic wipeout didn't look so bad if you compared it with the vastness of the U.S. economy. 
Technically, this was true, but Federal Reserve officials were already tearing through their playbook from the last crisis. Big banks were preparing to shut branches. I asked him if he'd talk to the boss of the biggest one, J.P. Morgan Chase and Companies, Jamie Dimon, and he sneezed. Now, if you're on a bus and you start sneezing, everybody gets upset, he said. I asked if he actually takes the bus. No, he replied. Okay. That was a pretty dumb paragraph. I asked him if he'd talked to the boss of one of the biggest J.P. Morgan chasing companies, Jamie Dimon, and then he sneezed, and then I forgot my question. <laughs> so I asked him if he actually takes the bus. Unless we're supposed to assume somehow that he's like saying, now if you're on a bus and you start sneezing, everybody gets upset. Um, like, and then he asked him if he actually takes the bus and no was the answer. Is that just like some weird way of saying like he was answering it? The other question? No, no, none of that makes sense. Uh, the investor told me the economic wipeout didn't look so bad if you compared it with the vastness of the U.S. economy, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's significant to admit that the impact of the economic lockdown wasn't so bad. That's very interesting. Uh, everybody acted like it was the worst possible thing to happen. Uh, the article continues. I mentioned that other rich people were scrambling to protect their health. Some were securing special access to virus tests and experimental drugs, if not their own ventilators. Quote, I could get my hand on a test, he said. He told me his peers were quietly inquiring about reserving beds at private hospitals in case they got sick. He had connections to the boards of the best hospitals, but said he'd call in favors only for the people closest to him. Now, I want to add here, and this article is missing a period at the very end there, um, but, you know, it's fascinating that it says at private hospitals. Um, you know, we, we, we have heard that, you know, hospitals that are available to everybody, and, you know, we have tons of private hospitals. That's an, another insane way to frame it. Um, as if like, yeah, like as if they, the, the rich have their very own hospitals, which I'm sure they do in some situations, but we did already see that at, at private hospitals and, uh, even, uh, university hospitals and hospitals connected to the state still have these programs. Um, but private hospitals have the program, the premium pass that allows uh, VIP, very important patients to get, uh, either a head or special in treatment. Um, so, you know, that was something that we went over with the, uh, I think, two streams ago or two. It was a little bit ago talking about uh, wealth care. So uh, go back and look at that or just look up the article Healthcare versus wealth care. Uh, great. It's great stuff. I think the original is from 2016. Uh, meanwhile, he joined his family at his country house, taking work calls on the phone. There was no staff, so he drove to the store himself wearing a mask. He could have hopped in his private jet and escaped, but really, he pointed out, where was he going to go? You know, I guess. Um, yeah, see, so he could work from home. No problem. 
The article continues, The catastrophe spread by March 23rd in New York City's case count was rising by thousands each day. People at Rikers Island jail fell sick, and city hospitals were running out of masks and gloves. Hold on, hold on. I want to just talk about the fact that this really sounds like like by March 23rd and somehow we had already gotten past all of this. Like, no. Parts of the country and parts of New York are still dealing with this. So in this capacity. So to make it sound like a lot of things have already passed over is kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, by March 23rd. Okay. I'm just, I'm just kind of conflating that issue and splitting my own hairs. I should just move on. The U S has threatening. The U S was threatening to become a new hub for the virus, right? As Trump was saying, the economy would soon reopen. The UK announced it would lock down. Deaths were spiking in Western Europe and Iran with 14,509 in total worldwide and 332,930 cases. Weird way to frame that again. When I spoke with my billionaire that day, I thought he might be scared or sad. Instead, he was irritated. Quote, everyone's working remote and realizing remote sucks. Unquote. I asked how it was different from the 2008 financial crisis. Quote, I have to make individual calls. It's so hard. It's so hard to deal with all these things. You can't get five people in a room, ten people in a room. I'm dealing with all this shit with my hands tied behind my back. Unquote. What am I reading? Like, woe is me, the billionaire who has a hard time making phone calls. Should have had a better infrastructure. We should have known that at some point there would be a viral infection, or I guess an aerosol infection, that, uh, you know, would require us to separate for a little bit. Take some fucking team effort. Anyways, the country was sliding into a recession, leaving Wall Street facing billions of dollars in potential loan defaults. But it was also profiting from the carnage. Yep, J.P. Morgan's derivative traders were on their way to making $1.5 billion in the first few months of the year, while a small group of hedge funds was pulling in billions from exotic types of bets. It wasn't just credit default swaps. The derivatives that started... Uh, oh, that starred in the 2008 financial crisis, but credit default swaps on indexes that were themselves made up of credit default swaps. Private equity executives who together had about $2 trillion of cash to spend hmm, were on the hunt for bargains. Um, in a Manhattan, fevers have been reported inside Goldman Sachs Group's Inc. Uh, Group Inc.'s skyscraper, but some traders at J.P. Morgan's derivatives desk were still sitting close together. My billionaire thought young and healthy workers should be in the office, and he didn't just mean his own. Quote, why aren't we saying, hey, anybody who's 30 or under, you guys still go to work. You guys just don't see your parents. Unquote. <laughs> you just you just you just don't get to see your parents. You just you just don't. <laughs> okay. Alright. <laughs> uh get to work. Nope, no parents. 
if you want them to live. Uh, the article continues, one answer was that they might be afraid to die. <laughs> A poll would soon show that almost 9 out of 10 Americans weren't ready to return to daily life. His pronouncements sounded like the ones coming from Trump and his circle. The president was now saying the economy should restart quickly despite the warnings of health officials. The billionaire saw Trump as a buffoon, and yet he mostly agreed with what the president was saying about the, uh, the virus. Interesting. Quote, if people aren't going to work, it's a depression. Trump isn't wrong. He just doesn't know how to explain it, unquote, the billionaire said. He took a stab at putting it succinctly. Quote, do you want to end up losing your life savings so that the old person you don't know can live? Unquote. I haven't read the next sentence yet, but that is an incredibly cold, callous, capitalist look at the world. And it is not a reason that we should continue on this economic system in the time of crisis. Yeah, if if your life savings is uh, completely torn away because old people need to make it through this uh, harsh pandemic, then, you know, how strong is this economy really? Uh, wow. Wow, wow, we were. Um, yeah, but we have a global struggle going on. So, you know, can't really get into the fine uh, split hairs in that. That's for a much broader discussion. Uh, but just know, glass, glass, class warfare is uh, definitely a worldwide struggle. But let's continue on. The article says, I asked if he intended to say that Americans were going to have to die to save the, the economy. Public health and private profit were at odds, he answered, and one was going to win out. <laughs> yep, this is just like uh, saying that uh, class warfare exists, um, just without saying class warfare exists. Quote, by focusing on the economy, a lot of people are going to get sick. And if we focus on public health, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, unquote. Oh, no. Back to it. Quote, I know which way it's going to end, but you can't say it. You sound insensitive. In today's world, everybody's going to attack you. Yeah, unquote. Oh, God. I'm starting to get a little blurry here now because this, this, this fucking article just got, like, uber... Um, Man, fascist isn't necessarily the word for it, but, like, to have an economy uh, much more important than people's lives, um, our system is very dogmatic, and the economy is definitely God. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you just gotta face that truth in America and, you know, act accordingly. And at that point... Uh, but this is, you know, I actually am starting to find it a bit more interesting that this is what's going on in the head of a billionaire, and it in and he is an investor. He manages head funds and, or hedge funds, and allegedly manages millions of dollars, if not billions. And so, taking that into consideration, um, he is going to be much more concerned of the economy because his life is directly affected by it. But what am I saying? Everybody's lives are directly affected by it. It's just his public, his he, he is not necessarily that affected by public health because as long as the economy is running and people are getting sick like he doesn't get affected by one or the other like if the economy is successful he's less likely to actually get sick because he has the access to testing he has access to maybe his own ventilators he has access to private hospitals and premium memberships if 
the economy is tanking but public health is doing well then he actually loses money and that's bad for him in his class so this is this paragraph here is an omission of class warfare and for us to justify and legitimize a system that's stuck on public health and private profit being at odds what how is this allowed to propagate like how is this allowed to continue this even like i know i understand we're in extraordinary extraordinary circumstances but this is fucked up that yeah it's a fucked up situation and nobody should uh, uh be able to deny deny how fucked up and uh immoral almost unethical our uh system is all right the article continues wall street holds sway over millions of american workers private equity firms buy up companies and exercise control over their employees activists investors buy up stakes in companies and can push them to cut staff Alternative funds help determine the fate of corporations by owning their debt or lending to direct to them directly. He, I wondered if the carnage might present opportunities for my billionaire to profit. It would, he told me, but what he seemed to crave right then was a return to the economic reality he'd known before. Quote, the person who explained this best to me is my contractor. He said, referring to a man who was building a house for him, quote, I say to him, hey, what are you going to do if we have this lockdown? How long do you think we won't be able to build for? Quote, he looks at me like, what are you talking? Are you talking to me? If you're willing to pay us, we're willing to show up. I said, aren't you worried? He said, I don't have money in the bank like you. If I ain't working, my family ain't eating, and then my mortgage ain't getting paid. Can I take two weeks off? Sure. But anything more than that? No. I said, okay, I don't care. If you guys want to show up, I'll pay you. He looked at me. Hey, big guy, this is America. <laughs> Unquote. The billionaire stopped his story and addressed me directly. Quote, how would you like it if you didn't get paid? He asked, then he shifted gears. Quote, why don't you talk about yourself he said how much do you make he ventured a guess and was way off i wouldn't tell him by how much or in which direction quote don't get don't be embarrassed he said you're doing a great job unquote wow this is a uh, a lot of bit of like fluff um That's so strange. That's so strange. Um, like, they're talking about, like, whether or not he would be able to profit off of the situation. And he admits that he would be able to. Because there were ways to, you know, game the stock market. Because the stock market in itself is essentially a game. To where you just move your money into different odds of investment credit. Um, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't understand economics that much. I'm just kind of... <laughs> What he is interested in, it seems that this specific billionaire spoken about in this article wants to see the continual growth and not just a short-term profit. He wants to see a long-term growth, something that lasts longer than just a pandemic. But 
it says right here that he also wanted to move back to the economic reality he'd known before. And the, the story that he goes into is about an unfortunate man who can afford maybe two weeks off of unpaid labor. But he has to go back to work immediately because he hasn't been making money in that time. Maybe that fits into the same narrative as the billionaire but again billionaires are living at a very vast and different set of means their cars are more expensive their houses and mortgages are more expensive so they have a much much higher cost of living and so if they start losing millions it's the same not exactly the same because you can obviously just reappropriate your funds to be a much uh, safer social net your own billions but he's essentially equating a construction worker that works for him not being able to work because of public health now that still is just a vacuum that capitalism continued to fill because the government didn't want to create a much stronger welfare system than it already has. It had the capacity to handle about 30% of Americans, putting us in a very deep hole because that money, uh, it, it, it's just like everything else going on. Is it's we've, We have more public spending and less revenue because corporations are paying significantly less taxes. But to equate the certain situation of a construction worker and his family working two weeks and not being able to afford their mortgage as the same as a billionaire not being able to afford his mortgage or maybe there are several mortgages it's just not really all that equivocal because we have to find a way that the billionaires can dissolve a lot of their assets to turn it into actual cash which is much more m mobile than say a house um, but they have very large amounts of assets that are just not even close to equitable with the assets of the construction workers so it's just so fascinating that's the story he would go with. By the end of I will catch my brain one day, and I will tell you I am your master. But until then, the article continues. By the end of March, forklifts were loading bodies into refrigerated trucks outside New York City hospitals in Staten Island on Amazon.com. Warehouse worker led a walk. Okay, I'm very bad at reading the first two sentences of the paragraphs. By the end of March, forklifts were loading bodies into refrigerated trucks outside of New York City hospitals. In Staten Island, on Amazon.com warehouse worker, <laughs> led a walkout over health concerns and was swiftly fired. Black communities were being hit especially hard, and in the past week, the number of deaths worldwide had more than doubled to 36,405, with 750,890 cases. There was action in Washington, though. Trump had signed the largest stimulus package in U.S. history, a $2 trillion bill that doled out loans and tax breaks to businesses big and small, sent $1,200 to many Americans and provided an extra $600 of weekly unemployment benefits. But it still left millions of people vulnerable in a country where about 27.5 million were left without health insurance, and more than 100 million still had to be physically present at their jobs. It's about a third. My, billion, my billionaire and I didn't discuss any of that when I called. It was after dinner, and he had to get back to his family. 
Quote, I'm playing Risk, he said. We picked up again the next day, April 1st. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what a dumb paragraph. It's like, there is a lot of this going on, and my billionaire was playing Risk at the time I called him. Cool. <laughs> we picked up... Why, why didn't he just discuss the actual... Oh, whatever. We picked up again the next day, April 1st. The game was still going on. Quote, we wiped out the other two guys, he told him. I think I'm in a good position, unquote. I asked him if he'd reconsidered our anonymity agreement and let me use his name in the story. No, he said. Americans were too angry at rich bosses. Quote, everybody's perception is the same. You should be paying us irrespective of the fact that we're not working. And if you don't, it's because you're greedy, unquote. Quote, you're wrong. Sure, I'm happy to pay you for a month. I'm happy to pay you for two months. But at a certain point, you have to stop, unquote. I wanted to know if he could understand why employees might feel they deserved pay for work they were missing only because of a national emergency. He dove into a genuine attempt at empathy. A month ago, he acknowledged most Americans hadn't expected to get paid without working. Quote, now it's, hey, wait a minute. I can't work, not because I don't want to, but... But I can't, and you should be paying me. And if you don't, you're jeopardizing my life, unquote. He went on in, a, in the voice of a worker, quote, so-and-so can afford to pay me, but I can't afford to go to work. If I do, I'm jeopardizing my life. Is my life not worth it, unquote? He remembered that he'd originally wanted young and healthy employees to get back to work as soon as possible, but he'd changed his mind. Quote, everybody's come to the conclusion, myself as well, you can't do that, because you're having people who are 20 and 30 getting symptoms and being rushed to the hospital, unquote. The system is, uh, quote, the system is overwhelmed, and if the system is overwhelmed, you might as well wait, unquote. Sorry, it's just like every way he quotes this is uh it's not meant to be read aloud <laughs> inside the white house trump had been backtracking from his cheeriness warning at a briefing of great pain to come over the past three years his administration had been particularly good for rich executives cutting their taxes and stripping back corporate rules i asked the investor what he made of the president on the whole quote the things he's done on the business side i would tell you have all been positive does that offset all the harm he's done? Economically, yes. For me, that's been beneficial. Socially, how it hurts people, how I view the world, no, I would rather have less money to have a better world, but okay, my punishment is I have more money to have a more fucked world. <laughs> Unquote. Yeah, but I feel like your economic status just grants you the privilege of not having to deal with most of the bullshit in the fucked world. But let's move on. Two days later, I called him... God damn it. Like, then, you know, you and your other billionaires shouldn't be okay with your punishment. Like, and... Yeah, you're not the ones who are actually taking the brunt of the punishment. Anyways, two days later, I called him back and asked who won his game of Risk. Quote, I did... Unquote. All right. I don't know if I'm going to read the rest of this. Honestly, the guy, um, I don't see eye to eye with a billionaire. Um,
he even gets into George Floyd here. And to be honest, after reading most of the opinions from this, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I don't want to get any more. I think I've understood the, the basic narrative is that a lot of it is just the same kind of shit that you would expect anybody trying to run a business. drink more water but i think we got to a good point there that um that they definitely have um interest in president in president trump and they do recognize that certain things that he does is detrimental to the entire population of the United States, but mostly the working class. Let's be honest. Um, we don't have a lot of money to kind of buy our problems away. Um, but it, it is fascinating to hear somebody say that they acknowledge that Trump is kind of ruining our cultural fabric with uh, divisive rhetoric. Um, but he says that he does benefit from the economy um i i just want to admit that with him also benefiting from the economy hoarding more wealth making more riches the people on the bottom are suffering more and more like he doesn't like that we're all in these divisive and racist and uh divisional ideological lines you know all of that just everything that is pulling us apart about trump as a community as a nation um as a united states all of that he recognizes, he acknowledges, and he knows is a problem. But he's also acknowledging that he benefits economically. So he might see the Trump presidency just completely positive because he can handle the the economic side by having basically unfettered capitalism. That's We've reached that point almost closely. Um, Yeah, all of that is just very negative for the working class. For everybody in my position, this is not good in any way whatsoever. And I just want to acknowledge that earlier here that he did say that public health and private business have uh, conflicting interests. So that was the one of the very first things said in this article. But let's move on from this oblivious, unself-aware uh, billionaire who uh, is just in and out of introspection and, and is probably Mark Cuban. Um, let's get to Roger Stone with his first interview. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Just want to do it. Now, as we told you, President Trump announced Friday he was commuting the sentence of Roger Stone just days before Stone was set to start a three-plus-year prison sentence stemming from Robert Mueller's Russian witch hunt. Remember, Stone was convicted of process crimes relating to 2017 and statements he made to House lawmakers. In other words, lying before Congress. Huh, Adam Schiff presiding, the biggest liar in Congress. Now, neither the Schiff show nor Robert Mueller produced one bit of evidence that Stone was working with anybody colluding with Russia. And by the way, as the White he House did. press secretary explained, quote, these charges were the product of recklessness born of frustration. They did prove that uh, uh, Roger Stone was in communication with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, who was the one who printed uh, the, not printed, but released the emails. 
uh, Hillary Clinton's emails who were given to Wikipedia so far by an unknown source. Although some suspect Russian conspiracy. And malice. Joining us now, Roger Stone, first TV interview, and his attorney, David Schultz. Of Schultz. course. Of course, his first TV interview is on Fox News. And, of course, he brings his attorney because, honestly, like, and I haven't watched the documentary yet. I want to. Trial by media. Just just saying it. Um, I would like to say to you, Roger, well, I'm glad you had your sentence commuted and you're not headed to prison this week. There's a part of me that is also very angry and very concerned for the country uh, based on the entire handling of your matter. Uh why don't I just let you say it in your own words, what this has been like for you? Well, this is the most horrible experience you can have because I see immediately why 99% of the people who choose to plead not guilty and go to trial lose. Uh, when you're up against the horrific uh, uh, and deep-pocketed uh, resources of the, uh, of the federal government and these uh, really... So, he pleaded guilty because people who tend to plead not guilty are convicted more often. But he was commuted by his friend, so I feel like his statistic does not apply because he hit extraordinary circumstances. He is an exception to a rule, and that should be the theme when we discuss Roger Stone. Sadistic, uh, arrogant, politically motivated prosecutors it's, and uh, yeah, I had a biased judge. I had a stacked jury. I had a... Mm. Yep, I just burped really hard because I think it's hilarious that he is claiming that he was somehow... Yeah, like, everything about it is, like, somehow a witch hunt as if, like, the rich are just not supposed to be held accountable for the things or actions that they commit. When we have these laws, but already we're being shown that at this point, these laws are going to start exempting more and more uh, connected influencers of power. A corrupt jury forewoman, uh, as my friend Tucker Carlson said, my trial was over before it started. Uh it's funny that he has to say my friend Tucker Carlson when Tucker Carlson just announced that he went on vacation because he had a white supremacist writing for him in a, for a fucking minute pretty funny and uh, it, when you go through something like this Sean you find out who your real friends are and who the people are who really never were your friends you have been a tremendous friend you have done a great job of keeping people informed but I have to really single out your Fox News colleague Tucker Carlson he took up the cudgels early uh, he uh, stayed on this case with every twist and turn wasn't afraid to take on the judge laid out the jury question uh, it encouraged me when I got discouraged. Uh, he's a man of incredible loyalty, uh, and he's a, he's a great friend. He may be the best friend a man can have, so my hat's off to, to him. And also Congressman Matt Gates from Florida, who I hope to live long enough to see in the White House. Yeah. Uh, he was a great friend. Yeah. He never gave up in trying to make sure everybody understood the injustice uh, that I had been through. But so many others, Bernie Carrick, the former New York police commissioner, and uh, 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 Charlie Kirk. Uh, Rev That's funny. He gives a shout out to Charlie Kirk after like flipping a page to make. It's like he literally has. This is. I just realized what happened. He has 
It's like, this is like he won an Emmy or like a Golden Globe, and he's like, I want to thank Charlie Kirk. I want to thank Matt Gates. I want to I want to thank Nixon. I know you're out there watching somewhere. <laughs> Reverend Franklin Graham, pastors Mark Burns and and, uh, and Daryl Scott, uh, you know, uh, Randy Coggins, uh, a dynamic young. <laughs> he's literally <laughs> reading a list of names that he's giving shouts outs to because he's shouts out to keeping me out of jail. <laughs> Evangelist from Florida, uh, the entire Flynn family, General Mike Flynn, a man who's still being persecuted. My hat's off to all of them because they helped me and He's my wife and my family through the scariest, most difficult process of, uh, you of can imagine. But above all, I must tell you, uh, Sean, based on advice from you and, and, and Reverend Graham and, and the two pastors I mentioned, I really want to thank God because I was literally hours away from being sent to a COVID-infested prison in violation of the current Bureau of Prisons and DOJ policies, in violation of every precedent in the country where people going to jail or in jail were asking for compassionate release, and in every case, it was granted. Uh, I, I'm 67 years old. I've had a lifelong problem of respiratory problems. I was facing what I really believed was a near-death sentence. I've had a lifelong problem of respiratory problems, but um, I just also want to point out real quick, real, real quick, quick. Um, he would have gone to a rich person's jail. They they don't go to the same jails as we do, a lot of the time. Sentence. So you, Let me... particularly Tucker, uh, Matt Gates, and everybody I named, uh, my heart goes out to you. I I'm deeply, deeply grateful. But more than anything else, I'm grateful for God because as you told me. If I would, if I would rededicate my, my life to Christ, to you, I if I would be reborn, he, he, uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And your advice was as solid as could be. You said God will never desert you. He will never abandon you. He will protect you if you if you confess your sins and you walk in His way. And I have done my very best to do that. Let me go through, and I want you to tell people. Man, he like literally hit all the points he needed to, and that was in like. Four minutes. That's four and a half minutes right there that he he almost just spoke for the entire four and a half minutes. Maybe like four minutes. Um, but that is, wow, we wee wah. Uh, wow, I just, I am just so bubbled up by like all of that. He is a master at propaganda at speech. Like, holy fuck. Did he like fit in like the whole criminal reform thing like everything like like when a ce celebrity would go to rehab he's got like that whole speech of like they're like a uh, second coming their rebirth story he he got it fucking perfect and he didn't even go to jail because this there's this whole system of justice where you can use sammy the bull gravano as the biggest case in point he commits 19 murders and he's given a get out of jail free card and a witness protection program because he flipped on on John Gotti. All right, put that aside for a second. Yeah, but how much I don't know the full story of this, but I do know that informants with the FBI or, you know, with a certain law enforcement, you know, they tend to get commuted sentences or uh they they get special treatment because of their relationship with law enforcement and intelligence agencies so it's a quid pro quo situation i don't know what bulls was but i'm just gonna assume that they had bigger fish to fry in your case 
Did Mueller and his team offer anything of value? Your freedom, for example, I would argue is of great value. If you would. Oh my God. The best thing that they did was they, they just all kept their mouth shut. They did not uh, throw Trump under the bus. And maybe he chose the best people for that, whether it's Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, uh, Michael Cohen. Well, nope. Michael Cohen did throw Trump under the bus. And I don't think Cohen. Did Cohen get pardoned? Did Cohen get pardoned? Oh, shit. I don't think so, right? American lawyer. My Uncle Cohen. Oh, yeah, he got back. He was, he was like, on a fucking uh, uh, house arrest. Yeah, that's right. And then he got taken back to prison because he, he broke his probation or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, so he's still guilty and all of that shit. <laughs> Yeah, for violating terms of early, uh, early what? Prison, let me, let me get this, let me get it a little straight. Prison officials, come on before taking it back behind bars. Why would you have two different early release, terms of early release? Yeah, I think he got out because of the corona or some shit, and, uh, yeah, he still broke, he violated his terms. So maybe they're still trying to close in on Trump and certain ways with an investigation maybe not i doubt it it just seems like trump's going to uh continue on committing crimes until uh the the crime is the united states itself criminal say certain things they wanted you to say whether they were true or not well in the beginning of the case sean i don't think that was their intention but as they got closer and closer to having to issue the Mueller report and they realized that they had no Russian collusion because there was no Russian collusion. It was a hoax. On July 24th, uh, Jeannie Rhee, uh, who was heading my prosecution within a, the Mueller team, that's extraordinary in itself because she previously represented Hillary Clinton and the uh, Clinton Foundation in the uh, Ill illegal email server case and the missing email case. So she had a clear bias. She was a maximum donor to both of Hillary's presidential campaigns. By the way, she has all the charm of a North Korean prison guard. Uh, she made it very <laughs> clear to Jesus. Wait, did she defended Hillary? The prosecution within a, the Mueller team. That's extraordinary in itself because she previously represented Hillary Clinton and the uh, Clinton Foundation in the uh, Ill illegal email server case and the missing email case. What's her name? Because she my prosecution had no Russian collusion because there was no Russian collusion. It was a hoax. On July 24th, uh, Jeannie Rhee, uh, who was heading my prosecution within a, the Mueller team. I don't know how to spell her name. How do you spell Jenny Rhee? Jenny Rhee? Jenny Rhee? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> Prosecutor. All right. Jeannie Ree. Jeannie Ree, the newest Manafort prosecutor. Mueller prosecutor. Uh-huh. All right. Let's 
see. Glendon. Uh, yeah, law and crime has something about Mueller not knowing. Top investigators, Democratic ties, raise new bias. So Fox News already reported that as well. Uh, Mueller investigator under scrutiny for her legal work. It's also related from Daily Mail. So it's out there. It's information. Congressional regular went under investigation. Uh, let's see. It's fascinating that it's just those articles and not necessarily anything about her, um, like, a time when she was defending like not a specific article from when she was defending the Clintons it's all from like when everybody announced that she was working on the uh, Mueller case so that's pretty fascinating that that's the only time that we discuss this because I can't find anything about the Clintons do 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 Clinton server. Yeah, so it's the same shit, man. Like, what am I supposed to do? Clinton went under investigation for the mishandling of classified information. The fuck is this from? Attack. This is the file reported that um, alleging that uh, people, there's a bias related to uh, people investigating Trump towards the Clinton Foundation. This is the first initial uh, report into Congress. Who wrote it? There's There wasn't even an author at the beginning of it, so it's fascinating that this is just on the congressional record. It has no citations, so that's great. I'm just going to keep scrolling down to see if I can get a fucking author here. Yeah, this is someone's specific speech from the their time in Congress, House of Representatives. Uh, wh who the fuck? Oh, nice, nice. It's it's there. It is. It's actually at the beginning. It's it's Matt Gates. It's Matt Gates saying that. Uh, it's it's his whole defense as to probably why. Uh, the Mueller investigation or the uh, just yeah the whole the whole prosecution of Trump's team to be to be ended yeah it's Matt Gates' speech so I probably could just find it on YouTube as well but that doesn't provide any evidence from the case that it's just all articles from like 2018. What are we doing, guys? What the fuck are we doing? Brings out a f it brings up a fucking 8chan thing on Google. 
There's not a single article here. <laughs> About Clinton's email servers and Jenny Re actually defending her? There's nothing about this. How can I verify what he says? Media post, publications, advanced searched, written by Diane Dilworth. Why the fuck would I only want articles just written by Diane Dilworth? Is there an any category? Ah, I'm wasting so much time. No, nothing. Yeah, it found me nothing. Whatever. What what the fuck ever. Alright, so I can't verify this Jenny re-accusation. I'm just going to assume it's true because... That's extraordinary in itself because she previously represented Hillary Clinton and the uh, Clinton Foundation in the uh, Ill illegal email server case and the missing email case. So she had a clear bias. She was a maximum donor to both of Hillary's presidential campaigns. By the way, she has all the charm of a North Korean prison guard. Uh, she made it very clear to one of my lawyers after a hearing she asked to see him privately that if I would re-remember certain phone conversations I had with candidate Trump, if I would come clean, if I would confess that they, <laughs> uh, that they might be willing to, you know, uh, recommend leniency to the judge, perhaps I wouldn't even serve any jail time. And I didn't have to think about it very long. I said, absolutely not. There was no circumstance under which I would bear false witness against the president. I, I, was, I was just not willing to lie. Now, in the last two days, when I said that, people said, ah, you see, Stone had the goods on Trump, and he traded his silence for, uh, for a commutation. That is patently false. I never said that. I never implied that. What I said has been consistent, that I would not lie against my friend of 40 years so they could use it for impeachment. They wanted me to be the ham in their ham sandwich because they knew the Mueller report, particularly on Russia, was a... Let's just acknowledge that their narrative, the right's narrative and his narrative, is that he did nothing uh, wrong and that the police wanted him to lie and throw Trump under the bus so that they could get an impeachment. He's making a pretty funny face on the video. But... The actual narrative is that he Trump had him commit a crime and he covered up for Trump and admitted to lying to investigators ab about that. Um, so he he pled his guilt to committing crimes himself, but by not implicating the president, he knew that he would get a pardon. He knew at the end of the road that there was a pardon at that at that rainbow that that was the pot of gold dud it was a goose egg they had nothing and they were hoping that i would recharacterize my phone calls i think uh, these phone calls that were plea bargain induced uh claims by michael cohen and rick gates for which they could never find any corroboration and i simply refused to do it 
Let me go to you, David Schoen, and I'll, I'll ask you both the same question simultaneously. Roger, I think I've known you well enough over the years. You're a fighter. Your instincts are going to be, okay, now I'm going to go back, and I'm, uh, maybe if you go back and you appeal this and you open up this case again, I would, I would argue right now you're home free. And I think that I saw nothing but corruption in that courtroom by that judge and that jury and not giving you another trial. David, I would say that if you go forward with that, you are now putting Roger's life back in jeopardy again. And I don't know. I, I don't have any faith in that system. I don't have any faith in that judge. I don't have any faith with that jury. Nobody on this case do I believe is honorable here. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you raise a very interesting question and a perplexing one. We have to sit down and make a decision as to whether to go forward with the appeal, knowing that a win in this case, and there should be a win, classic Fifth and Sixth Amendment violations, would go right back to the same judge and a courtroom of injustice. Let me just say this to you. This commutation is a great tribute to President Trump for three reasons. He sends the message that the Mueller team was rotten to the core from its inception. When Mr. Mueller picked I've Andrew Weissman as his right... I've been saying that for three years, David. Screaming well, right. it. You don't pick in the, uh, an investigation that oh in, uh, in, involves the president of the United States requires integrity. <sighs> you don't pick an Andrew Weissman, who's the most ethically bankrupt prosecutor I've ever come across. I represent two men right now, Mr. Arena, Mr. Sessa, who were wrongfully convicted with him. You talked about uh, uh, making deals with witnesses. He lied about those deals. He was uh, mentioned specifically by a judge for his misconduct. So that's one thing. The Mueller team was rotten to the core, filled with partisans. Number two, an unfair trial. The president recognized that. The, den the judge denied the entire defense theory. Mr. Stone wasn't allowed to mention on social media or make a defense theory that in any way challenged the integrity of the Mueller team. Unprecedented. And thirdly, the president saved a life here. I mean, we, we can't argue the actual conditions of the court because none of it was televised. None of it was a very, very, op there wasn't a very big public transparency with the Stone case or court proceedings. So it's kind of unfortunate. Um... And, uh, yeah, we can't really defer to any examples here because this is, uh, this is all anecdotal evidence of one side of the story. Because the judge's decision on denying a surrender extension uh, when COVID was in the prison and with these health uh, conditions goes against all authority in the country on you this know, issue, as did the Court of Appeals. You know, I'm listening to your attorney, and I know David a long time, Roger. I've known you a long time. And you're a character. Everybody knows you're a character. But that's not about you as a character. I would want a fair and impartial jury for everybody. I just want people to acknowledge that everybody that is in this video or in this uh, report here, that they are all very close friends, and they have very close interests to each other, um, shared interests. So I just want you to... Take that into perspective and wonder if they have your shared interests in mind when they're uh, uh, turning Roger Stone into an angel. Buddy, I wouldn't want any Democrat or liberal to have 29 guys in tactical gear over a process crime. Uh, I wouldn't want a gag order on any American. They should have a right to speak out in their own defense. Uh, I wouldn't want a jury four person as prejudiced or a judge that went along with this crap. My question to you is, we've seen this now with Papadopoulos. We've now seen this with Paul Manafort. We saw it with General Flynn. We've seen it with you. I'll be honest, Roger. I believe in our Constitution. I believe in our rule of law. I think I read a lot about equal justice and application of our laws. I don't see any of this in any of these cases. I see a travesty of injustice. 
You've been a part of it. I don't know. I'm losing faith in the system, Roger. <laughs> well, you, it's, you have a good reason to. I mean, you examine the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals where I had to file a last-minute emergency appeal of Judge Jackson's rule sending me to jail. She ignored all the legal precedents in that. She ignored my health conditions. She ignored the conditions at the prison at that time. And she ignored the current policies of DOJ and the BOP. Now, you would have thought that that would have been reversed in the appeals court, but they ruled for her three to zero. I'm afraid I, this is a fixed system. Uh, above all, though, I guess I'd have to say the most important here, thing here is the courageousness of the president's act. I know there were many, many, many people who told him in an election year, don't do this. Uh, let Roger Stone wait maybe for a pardon after the election. Sean, I don't think I would have lived that long, not with my asthmatic condition, not with now 60 uh, uh, COVID-19 cases in that prison. So uh, I, I have deep, deep affection for Donald Trump because I've known him 40 years. He's a man of great uh, justice and fairness. He's a man of enormous courage. I, I knew he would take some shots for this, but I, I think most people, most fair-minded people understand. He saved my life, and at least on paper, he gave me a chance to fight for vindication. Now, I'm not a fool. I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be guided by the advice of my lawyers. As I understand it, if I, my He's conviction is overturned by the appeals court, I'd be back in front of Judge Jackson. Judge Jackson issued an incredible ruling said that I could not raise misconduct by the special counsel, the FBI, the DOJ, or any member of Congress, Adam Schiff. So, uh, I mean, if, if that were in place in General Flynn's case, we still wouldn't know how he was railroaded. We still wouldn't know about the political motivations behind taking him down. So I, I've got to become convinced I can get a fair second trial, because I certainly didn't get a, a fair first trial. You had a gag order, and you weren't allowed to even put on your defense. You wanted to put on a defense. They denied you that right. Then, of course, we have the whole jury four person. This is on top of the raid, pre-dawn raid. By the way, I'm sure you probably called CNN, Roger, and said that. Here is, I do not believe you can get any fair trial in that courtroom or that system. I don't know. I think that probably every fiber of your being would want to be to fight he pled guilty he was supposed to go to jail now he tried to delay going to jail he did not try to appeal his case he pled guilty so already we are getting massive twisting of the facts like this is just Par for the course for Fox News at this point, and it's no wonder that Roger Stone decided to give his first interview here because it's where his story would be sympathetically taken in and twisted like a f fucking Twizzler. Uh, to get the acquittal you believe you should get. But I don't know if I'd give you that advice because I don't think there's anybody in that courtroom that is fair, Roger. Well, and as you point out... Uh... Comey, Clapper, Brennan, McCabe, uh, Strzok, Strzok, Page, Page. Rosenstein, Mueller himself, Hillary. They all lied under oath, but they lied about material things, consequential things. Therefore, they had an intent and a motive to lie. I, I was charged with making misstatements that were innocuous. And if you look at it very carefully, it's very clear what happened here. And that is that Aaron Zelensky, the corrupt prosecutor, the dirtiest of Mueller's dirty cops, other than Weissman, 
shared the fruits of the surveillance uh, into me with Adam Schiff so that he could fashion gotcha questions, most of them of no consequence. Uh, and then after the setup, in which I appeared voluntarily before the House Intelligence Committee, Schiff, in violation of House rules, shared the, uh, the classified testimony with Mr. Zelensky so Mr. Weissman could fashion a very contorted uh, and contrived indictment. Yet today you have Mueller and Schiff and Rosenstein back to saying Stone was in cahoots with Russian intelligence. This is nonsense. They're all the way back to the Russia, with, Russia, was Russia. Was there ever lie. any evidence of they that, Roger? False, there was not. Was there any evidence ever given uh, of any contact the, the, with any the, Russian intelligence? Here's, here's it's so fascinating how journalistic Sean Hannity is acting here by just like, my friend, my homie, like, you were so wrongly prosecuted. Like, it's just, this is horrible reporting. This is just narrative shaping. That's all this is. But there was. There, there... There was there was evidence that I had a Twitter direct me, uh, message exchange with Guccifer Point Two, a persona. But if you look at when that happened, it happened long after WikiLeaks had published all their material. And if right. you look at the actual content of the exchange, it's benign. It, there's no collusion. There's no collaboration. And thirdly, we don't even know that Guccifer Two Point Oh is a Russian asset. Just because. I am really good at pausing these faces. Um, but it's not the context of the context of the text messaging because you know that's easier to kind of obfuscate than it is like actual conversation, which we don't know had happened. John Brennan says something's true. He said the Steele dossier was real too. So uh, just because they assert something doesn't mean it's true. I could have proved at trial using forensic evidence and expert testimony from fellows like Bill Benny. A former SNA counterintelligence expert and Ray McGovern, that no one hacked the DNC, that there was no online hack of the DNC, that the information based on the download times was right. downloaded to a portable disk and taken out the back door. But I wasn't allowed to present that defense because Judge Jackson would not allow it. Roger, I want to believe in our system of justice, and in a way it worked, I guess, in the end with the president's commutation, but what happened to you, what happened to Papadopoulos, what happened to General Flynn, what happened to Manafort, what happened to the President of the Never United again. States, what happened to Carter Page, we're going to lose this country if this happens again. It's the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in our history. Glad you're free tonight, Roger. We wish you Godspeed. And David, thank you for the great work you do as his attorney. I'm just going to say that we all lost uh, our country when uh, all of Trump's criminal friends were allowed to commit their crimes. So uh, that's really tough. That's really dope. All that all that was was uh, narrative shaping. Um, they took all the facts that are available and tw twisted them in the same way that already they have been twisted in online communities, conspiracy theorists, um, uh, QAnon, um, you know, everybody who's been twisting this web um, for the entirety time, the entirety of the. This whole time, it has been just nothing but a spectacle. And I kind of even saw it as that even during the whole impeachment trials, because the, the Democrats ran and have run the most weak opposition. I don't really see anything standing in the way of Trump. I, I just see all of this as like a tug and pull show as if like rule of law is battling but we do have exceptions here in this in this nation so 
Um, it's it's if if it is just the grandeur of the spectacle, we need to tear the whole thing down. Because nothing's real, and nothing will ever uh, come of material wealth or prosperity for the working class and those below the elites. At this point, the production in the nation itself uh, is all for their sake, and that's pretty much it. That's that's the class class warfare report today. Um, we got a little bit from the mind of a billionaire, uh, discussing his first reactions to the transforming COVID uh, pandemic. You are welcome to read the rest of that article on Bloomberg Business Week or Network. Ooh. I'm a, uh, it's just on Bloomberg.com. Um, but this has at Bloomberg Business Week. Yep, so it was on Bloomberg Business Week, um, I think by Ma Max Abelson or Abelson. Yeah, uh, yep, he called a Wall Street billionaire to get his opinion and all of that yet. So if you want to check out more about that, go check out that article. And we went over Roger Stone, um, freshly out of not prison. Um, just, you know, no more court battles for him. Um, and the exoneration coming down from the president, exempting him from any actual accountability, even though he pled guilty to his crimes, which he says he did so that he could uh, be found innocent because people who plead not guilty are 98% more likely to be convicted. Strange. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, dog shit it's dog shit and it has uh no uh public interest whatsoever it has only the concerns of wealthy powerful influential people and how they can operate in this game of thrones that's it's basically what i got from that roger stone interview and that he's also free to go around and continue uh helping trump with his re-election he is no longer wrapped up in court battles and now he can continue to help trump in probably a distance manner but in a manner nonetheless we'll see though he hasn't actually announced anything but uh thank you for joining me on the podcast uh i'm gonna have to cut the podcast here and uh i'm gonna get into at least sam harris so if you're interested go to youtube my youtube channel poor dumb rebel or go to uh or stay here on twitch it's live or go to my twitch it'll be on the archive there but i would say just go to youtube because um yeah poor dumb rebel that's me Bruh, YouTube uh, for the archives. But uh, it, this uh, the podcast is unfortunately going to miss out on this next segment. So if you want to see it, go to YouTube or Twitch. But other than that, follow me on Twitter at working underscore Andrew. And join me again for another class warfare report and a working broadcast of a working class observation. I thank you and I bid you adieu, podcast. <laughs>